Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. Glad you're with us. Big show plan. We're going to recap the NFL weekend. Plenty of headlines throughout. And Michael McHenry will join us in hour number two. We'll be discussing the massive amounts of money spread across Major League Baseball at the winners' meetings. Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Sixth and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Hope you had a great weekend. Happy holidays. Awesome. Happy uh, holidays. Now is the time of year where I can officially Merry say Christmas. happy holidays every single happy day of the week. We'll continue to wish everyone <laughs> happy holidays every day. Uh, big weekend. Can't wait to dive into all of it with you. Yeah, and uh, we start with the news on, on Mike Leach, Mississippi State uh, head coach. According to, to multiple outlets earlier today, he's, he collapsed his home in Starkville. Uh, the reports are he, he had a, a heart attack. And it appears also, according to the Clarion Ledger, that Leach may have suffered seizures with the possibility of brain damage and that he was left alone before someone found him for like 10 to 15 minutes. With all that, um, just uh, terrible news where EMTs used a, a, a defibrillator to try to shock him back. And, you know, he's obviously in, in extreme condition right now. And it's, it does not look good based on the reports, Chad. This is, uh, this is really terrible and sad news. Yeah, very, very sad. I, I wore some Mississippi State colors today uh, for Coach Leach. Just a, an awful situation. And one of the... Great characters, not just in college football, but in all of sports. So uh, we wish the best, but it certainly does not look great with everything being reported about Mike Leach. I think everyone on Sunday when this news came down, they were in shock when you started to see the news. Uh, the vagueness of the, the report that was out there, the Mississippi State statement that rushed with a personal medical emergency to a hospital in Jackson – you fear the worst, and um, not a good situation a- at all. And look, right now, the whole emphasis is on Mike Leach and his family. And at some point, we'll get to you know everything else around this story. Sure. But let's keep the main thing with the main thing right now, and that's us wishing the best for him and his family. And that's what Mississippi State's doing through the Athletic Department of <laughs> University, uh, releasing a statement. Mississippi State University head football coach Mike Leach remains in critical condition at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. Mike's family is with him and appreciates the overwhelming expressions of love and support for the coach, but also requests that their family's privacy be respected at this time. And they go on to say that they're not going to uh, release any further information and that they will put something out on social media when it is time to do so and when it becomes available through the family. Again, our thoughts and well wishes with Mike Leach and his family with all this. Uh, just terrible news late last night and, and throughout the day yesterday with the, with the reports. Um, and, the, you know, the last game was a victory over Ole Miss 
uh, this past regular season in the uh, in the Egg Bowl. Yeah, and no, um, you know, well said, Hutton. And whenever there's new news to report or something to tell everyone about, we'll we'll discuss it. Yep. Let's hit uh, the the other big headlines from the weekend. And Chad, the uh, six and three sixty, where we'll go through the top six headlines each and every Monday with you, and and go back and forth and discuss quickly, rapid fire. Uh, we start with the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant. Keep in mind, this is the organization that traded three first-round picks in exchange for the selection to move up and select Trey Lance. Lance gets hurt. Garoppolo's in after they wanted him out. But they still end up with Brock Purdy, third-string quarterback. And yesterday, he was dealing an outstanding performance yet again. He comes off the bench in Week 13. They throw the football quite a bit. Yesterday, week 14, against Tom Brady. Brady was 7-0 and against rookies uh, head-to-head. And now he is 7-1 and with how they went and uh, went at the, the Tampa Bay defense offensively. Debo Samuel got hurt here, but the storyline, Chad, is Brock Purdy is in. And the whole thing around Jimmy G when he got hurt was Shanahan was nine. He had won nine total games without him as the starter, as head coach. And now he's won his 10th with the third-string quarterback in, starting the game throughout. This is uh, big for San Francisco because they're running their offense, and quite frankly, they're throwing the football more. Now, they didn't throw it all that much yesterday. Didn't have to. Didn't have to with how they were distributing the football. But this is a big big development just based on the fact that Purdy is, uh, I mean, he's with it. He's got full trust of not just Kyle Shanahan, but he's got Bosa, Post game saying, we have a quarterback. We have our quarterback. And it's Brock Purdy. I am continue to be super impressed with Kyle Shanahan in all of this. I mean, that, to me, that's the headline of this whole story with Brock Purdy. Here is a coach who may be bucking the trend and defying the odds of current NFL logic in that he doesn't even need a quarterback to be successful. Like, you, there's a lot of guys who can take an offensive guard off the scrap heap and make them sustainable and serviceable for a team. They can take a corner or a safety and do the same. Somebody that hadn't even played maybe for a while, but they can, they're good enough as a coach to turn them into something that can be serviceable for your franchise. Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance goes down. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo, we won with this guy. He's not very talented, but we've won with him before. We can do it again. They win with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. Oh, sky is falling. You got Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, who Peter King apparently thinks no one ever watched an Iowa State football game (laughs) when he describes him in his column. We'll get to that at some point. But I remember Brock Purdy at Iowa State. Hell of a football player. Good leader for them. Comes in. He's good. Is it because of Brock Purdy? Is it because of Kyle Shanahan? I don't know. It's an impressive story. Kudos to Purdy. Kudos to Shanahan. That guy is elite in every way as an NFL coach, and I continue to be impressed. Chad, uh, news out of Austin with Texas head basketball coach Chris Beard. Chris Beard was arrested for a felony um, overnight. He was booked at 4 a.m., but the police were called 12.07 a.m., where he has been arrested on charges of, and I'm looking for the exact charges right now, it's felony assault and strangulation of a female that was in his home. Um, Austin police received a disturbance hotshot call. Officers dispatched the 1900 block of Vista Lane shortly after midnight. Austin Police Department's website defines a hotshot call as incidents which are in progress and an immediate threat to life and or public safety is in the mix. 
Um, so Chris Beard arrested, felony charges. Chris Beard's lawyer spoke and said he's completely innocent of the charges and, in fact, never should have been arrested, and the complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed. It is truly inconceivable. There's one part of the story in the report that I'm a little bit confused by in that the police were called, and it says that one of the individuals fled. I don't know if it was a third individual in the house that made the call and fled, oh, they didn't or the clear. complainant fled the house. But Chris Beard was in the home when the cop showed up after the incident, and they took him away in cuffs, arrested him, and that's where he's being booked. Hutton, I mean, he's going to get fired. Yeah, if there's any validity to this at right. all, unless they can prove this is some sort of hoax and the complainant takes everything back and says it's not completely true what's being claimed and all that, if that doesn't happen, there is a clause in his contract, in any coach's contract, you will be fired with cause if you get arrested for a felony. Yes, and the legal process can play itself out, but the university released a statement, the, the generic statement that we all have heard and seen and hear every time this is out with any team or organization, we're continuing to gather information and monitoring the legal process. Uh, as we see more with this, we will certainly dive into it. But on surface level, this looks is awful. And I'll, I'll wait for further details there. Because you're right about the well, one of the individuals fled. If it's the complainant, then, I mean... I would I would flee as well. The yeah, you, so the with, call happened at twelve fifteen, but he's booked at four a.m. or something. Yeah, yeah, he's taken in and booked later. Yeah. If he is convicted of this, he could face five to ten years in prison. If he is not convicted of this, and I do think that Texas will fire him, would be my guess mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, Texas is second in the country. Chris Beard got Texas Tech to a national championship game. He won an NCAA tournament game with Texas a year ago. If they fire him and he's not convicted on down the road, someone will hire him quickly. There's my other prediction. That's the sad truth about this. But if he's not convicted and if he's not in prison, he's that good of a coach that some school out there will take a chance and say, oh, he's reformed. It's fine. We looked into the incident. Everything checks out, and they will bring him in as head coach. Based on the the details and the charges, we'll know something fairly soon on the severity of which – uh, Texas takes this. Well, right? and if Chris Beard's attorney is telling the truth that the complainant is wanting to rescind the charges and wants him released from jail Im- immediately. Or she may, if they made the call and then police arrived, he was the only one there, and that's the only statement is we're hearing yeah. from their side of it. We'll, we'll see. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman. No dramatic deal here. In fact, I mean, it was very... Uh, I, I saw just brief highlights of the ceremony, but... Anticlimactic is how I would respond to this because the this this year of all years felt like it was handed to a a runner up got the trophy because the best player got hurt in college football and no one really felt like they knew who to vote for. And I would have said this about any one of those four who ended up winning the award in New York. Um, this this is a you can say what you want about, oh, I don't care about the Heisman Trophy anymore. This is a brand, and it sticks with you to a point where, for life, you are the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. It doesn't matter what he does now in the NFL. Uh, he can join you know, the Heisman commercials and all of that and everything that comes with it. Congratulations to him. But, yeah, I, I just don't feel the same way I do about previous award winners, and that even includes... Uh, previous award winners who 
you know, Devontae Smith, for instance, who we didn't really know uh, was going to win the award until late in the season, same as Caleb Williams. You just felt the momentum coming, and the momentum really started two games before the Pac-12 championship game, not in September. I stuck to my guns and did not watch the Heisman ceremony, have not seen a second of it. I've uh, willfully even not acknowledged clips that have been posted from it. Um, but I, I will say this, the celebrity won in this. Caleb Williams was a celebrity a year ago when he took Spencer Rattler's job. Spencer Rattler was preseason Heisman favorite. Lincoln Riley has now produced um, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Caleb Williams, now at a different school. The biggest offseason storyline was Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Caleb Williams did not win this because he's the best player in America, and he's a damn good player. But if you wanted to go with the best story of that group, it's Max Duggan. Uh, if you wanted to go with the best winner of that group, it's Stetson Bennett. Caleb Williams had an incredible season. Stats back him up on that. I'm not saying that his play doesn't deserve Heisman consideration or this award. I'm simply telling you he won because he's the biggest celebrity and he was the most agreed upon with a majority of those 900 voters. I also find it fascinating that everyone that I follow on Twitter, all the Heisman voters that are of some clout in terms of college football writers, all had Hendon Hooker in their top three, which makes me think, there's a lot of people who just don't watch the sport and pick the celebrity. I've said that you know, for the last few weeks there, and it's just, uh, it's Chad, it's just, it's mind-numbing to me how many voters they have in this process, um, and some of them absolutely deserve their selection, and I wish they would weed out the ones who don't, and it's not that difficult to figure out who those are, quite frankly, based on the ballots they submit, and you can tell which way they lean, and, and they want a good they want a coverage of the of the United States with the representation of the voters. I'm fine with that, but nearly a thousand of these guys and women too, too much. many, too many, too many, way um, too many. Uh, no surprise. I mean, because he was named one of two finalists, and the other finalists, Jason Garrett, is with NBC and released a statement last week. I guess they waited uh, for the weekend and, and Monday to roll around to announce in Stanford with Stanford that uh, Troy Taylor, Sacramento State. Sacramento State's Troy Taylor is the new head coach at Stanford. And, Chad, that means Purdue is the only Power 5 job that remains open. And they apparently did everything they could to keep Jeff Brom there. They were willing to pay him whatever. And he still went to Louisville, which means they were completely caught off guard. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I've not seen a lot of, of, uh, a lot of speculation, honestly, about what Purdue is doing right now and who they're going to hire. Troy Taylor's an interesting hire, a high-scoring guy. He just played in the highest-scoring FCS playoff game in history, a 66-63 loss to Incarnate Word with Sacramento State in the playoffs. So they're bringing in someone that knows offense that's probably going to score a lot of points at Stanford, makes some sense for them. But Hutton, do not know what's going to go on with Purdue. Also, not quite sure what to make of some quarterback situations across the NFL Big-time injuries over the weekend. Yeah, Lamar Jackson uh, remains – it's unknown on where he's headed uh, with his injury rehab. Meanwhile, you have Huntley, who is in concussion protocol officially today. That's been made uh, clear through uh, Baltimore. And so they're now down to their third-string guy with Lamar Jackson iffy as we go into week 15. Uh, the others, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson knocked out cold in this game. I feel like I've seen more KOs in football this year than I've seen in a long time. Traylon Burks, Tua Tagovailoa, 
uh, Russell Wilson yesterday. Uh, the concussions paired with the KOs, I think, are up as a as a tandem there, as a duo. Uh, and I don't know what that leads to. It's just maybe it's just the the way that they're getting slammed to the turf or the way their head is there. I don't know, but it's. Most of the time, Chad, I feel like people are hesitant to say, ah, was he knocked out? Was he not? These guys are clear, clearly knocked out based on their mannerisms. And that was certainly the case with, with Russ Wilson. Yeah, and I thought the Kenny Pickett one, of all the egregious hits, uh, we don't see many on the quarterback. And what we see most of the time from an egregious standpoint are the flags that are thrown when they barely hit the quarterback. Yeah. I thought that was pretty excessive. I agree. On the slam to the turf uh, where his head bounces off the turf. The, the, that was one where that's where you need to protect the quarterbacks. And to me, that, that was one where the defender clearly knew exactly what they were doing, had plenty of time to plan that as they're going to the ground and slinging Pickett off the turf. Hutton, I'm bummed out. I hate it for the young guy that he's concussed, but I wanted to continue to see his progression because yeah. he was starting to catch fire a bit in that Pittsburgh offense, and now we're going to be robbed of that probably for, I'm guessing, at least one more week. We'll get to another quarterback injury uh, that leads to a, a leadership role, and uh, th- his head coach has got to be elated despite uh, the, the rib injury that happened with Mike White that's coming up. Chad, Ken Niamatololo, um, not hard to, rep- to take his name and automatically think Navy. And when I think Navy, I think Ken Niamatololo. 15 seasons, he's out. He's been fired at Navy after uh, another Army victory. 109 and 83 over 15 seasons succeeded Paul Johnson, which feels like light years ago. Yeah, it feels like 30 years that ago. That Paul Johnson was there and left for uh, left for Georgia Tech at that point. And Ken Niamatololo has been there the whole time. Great representative of the United States Naval Academy. Absolutely. Was a terrific winner. He had the upper hand in this series against Army for a long time in his tenure. Lost that. Lost this game on Saturday in absolutely heartbreaking fashion. Hated to see the kid who fumbled going into the end zone and his reaction for, for Navy. Um, that was tough to watch, but a big moment there for Army with that kick to win it. And so Army wins. Ken Niamatololo out at Navy. Anytime there's movement like this, I always immediately look for someone with triple option ties that yeah. will be hired. So we'll watch this. Purdue's open. Now Navy is open as well. A lot more eyeballs will be on that Purdue opening, but what job you know he, that they're going to hire someone that can run the triple option at Navy. What job was he mentioned for like five, six, seven years ago? He's been mentioned for BYU in the past. Okay. Um, was it Boise as well? There, were a, there was a Power 5 spot at one time, I think, that mentioned him. I, I mentioned him for Vanderbilt openings yes. in the past yep. and was, was high on that. I that always sense. thought Vanderbilt should go the Paul Johnson triple option route and frustrate the heck out of the rest of the SEC with that offense. I thought he would have made a lot of sense uh, for Vanderbilt in the past, but I, I, I'm, I, I'm curious what Ken Niamatololo really wants to do now. Does he want to go be a head coach somewhere else? Does he want to hang it up? Does he want to go coach high school? Does he want to be someone's offensive coach or analyst? He's going to have some options because he had a great tenure at, at the Naval Academy. Coming up, quarterbacks grabbing the brass ring, and one of them with the Jets did it without even winning this past weekend against the Bills in Week 14. Mike White, a storyline. Of course, uh, what we've seen in San Francisco and the Detroit Lions. They do it again. Complete NFL headlines and takeaways next, and now kick 360.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We're back. Hot and Withrow with you. Outkick 360 rolls on. You can stream the show, outkick.com. And if you're listening on this great radio station, we appreciate you across the Outkick network. So, Hutton, I didn't go full Clay Travis and get tossed or kicked out of a kid's sporting event this weekend. Yeah. But I did have to sit down on the bench while assistant coaching my daughter's first and second grade basketball game to take deep breaths, to not oh, put no. myself in a situation where so, I was going to get tossed, and I, I successfully did so. I will explain exactly what happened coming up at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Chad sent us a text. That's the tease. Chad sent us a text Saturday evening that just said, add this, add this to Monday's show. That was it. So I've, I've not heard any details with what happened. I, I was wrong. I predicted that he witnessed something because it's very unlike him as a coach. And well, I did witness something. I, I, but you react. I'll explain. I both witnessed something and then decided to participate in it when okay. it kept going. That's where I'm wrong. I, I can't wait for the details of this. That's coming up in hour number three. Uh, here's what we learned from the NFL weekend, and it starts with some quarterbacks I wasn't expecting to lead off the show with uh, today in hour one. Mike White, let's start there. The Bills win this game, but the resiliency of Mike White, not once but twice – to return to this game, taking an absolute beating from the Buffalo Bills defense, the rib injuries, they took him straight to the hospital after the game and re- released him. But the, Chad, the Bills defense had nine quarterback hits, 18 pressures, four sacks, and he came back into the game with that. And you know Robert Sala and that locker room rallied around that. He did everything possible with the rib injury to make sure he wasn't going to just give up the job, either Joe Flacco or a chance that Zach Wilson's back next week. And he may be simply because this guy can't go, but man, uh, that was a, that was a tougher moment. I felt like than what we saw from uh, the chargers earlier this year with Herbert. And that, that guy was also taking a beating. Mike White, you know, we, we opened with Brock Purdy and how he's endearing himself to that 49ers team. Mike White is doing the same and then some for this Jets team. And just the juxtaposition of that press conference with Zach Wilson, where he was asked, do you owe that defense an apology after this performance? And just had the lack of self-awareness to say, no, no issues with the turnovers and everything he did that game. Um, And then later had to come back and apologize as he was benched that week for Mike White, the difference is staggering to me from a leadership perspective that Mike White is getting hospitalized postgame and is still battling for that Jets team. And Hutton, you're right. Robert Sala came right out and said he's our quarterback next week too. You know, the, the injuries are something he's going to overcome and he's going to remain the quarterback. There was no question about him being too beat up to continue, right. that he's going to come back and continue to lead this team. What a story that is. With what he's been able to do so far, I don't, I don't know that it's going to continue. Can the Jets 
gut their way into the playoffs, which would be an enormous overachievement for this Jets team this year, especially considering their franchise quarterback and second overall pick, Zach Wilson, was benched over the course of the season. And if they could overcome that with Mike White, a late-round pick, to get to the playoffs would be incredible. But I'm watching that game. You know, it's bad weather. It's snow flurries throughout the game. And Mike White looked very impressive. I mean, 12 points, I get it. But he battled in that game against a great Given the injuries, team. no doubt. And then coming back again, if you, if you haven't seen it to appreciate it, you've got to because the guy took a beating. Right now, the Jets are the first team out in the AFC because the Chargers won. And that's the another big storyline with all this, uh, with what we've seen from L.A. And now they get the Titans. Jamar Chase and the, the, the rapport that he has with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati is right back where they left off prior to Chase's injury with the... the First touchdown of the game scored by the Bengals against the Browns. And the other big takeaway is Deshaun Watson continues to be rusty in game number two. He did throw his first touchdown pass in 707 days um, to David Njoku. But the storyline here, you've got the Jets as the first team out, the Chargers win, and then here are the Bengals who continue to look impressive. But somehow the Baltimore Ravens continue to just find wins to stay ahead of Baltimore in the AFC North. Yeah, I'm impressed with Cincinnati. I was impressed with Deshaun Watson. I thought he was much better in game number two. I understand the Browns only scored 10 points. They can't run the football. 26 for 42 for 276 and a touchdown. Not great. Not terribly efficient. But I thought did not look like a guy who hasn't played in two years in his second game. Looked better. Still not Deshaun Watson. Still not that good. But I still thought an improvement from last week to this week, I can hear Tyler, the Browns fan back there, moaning, saying something yeah. about Deshaun Watson, probably disagreeing with me because his Browns are now 5-8 and eight on the season. Cincinnati, though, Hutton, the way they have turned the tide of this season after the 0-2 start, now to be there at 9-4, and four, the way they're coming together, I think that's a squad uh, to watch out for. We talked about it last week, but they're right up there in the AFC. Well, and the other thing, too, they are a team that is going to be a tough out for a team hosting in the NFL playoffs because, you know, the Baltimore may end up winning the division uh, and, and may not based on schedule. Their schedule is much easier, though, than Cincinnati. Point, But now now you've got the, the injuries that were going to play a factor at quarterback for Baltimore. So Cincinnati may actually be hosting a playoff game as the three seed when it's all said and done out of the AFC North. Right now, the Bills are the number one seed at with their three losses only. Uh, you've got Kansas City that continues to win, and then followed by uh, Baltimore and uh, the Tennessee Titans. But a lot of the the teams, Chad, right now that are hosting as the division winners as of going into Week 15, Baltimore and Tennessee. I w- I would absolutely love to take my route through Baltimore, Tennessee, with the option of playing uh, and moving on and hosting. I guess right now it would be Miami and Cincinnati. Look, the Titans, um, they're not good. 87% chance right now to make the playoffs. They still should win that division. I think if they beat the Houston Texans, they're going to win that division. But the Ravens, now down to their third quarterback, those are, I mean, I would still much rather play the Titans than the Ravens in a playoff game. But man, oh man, the, the, the free fall in Nashville with that Titans team has been something to behold over the last three weeks. And that was a horrific performance 
against Jacksonville after really seemingly coming out of the gates looking like you're in control up seven nothing up 14 to seven chance to go up eight late in the first half and fumble and then just the bottom fell out in the second half for that Titans team folded but there are some bad playoff teams right now that's my takeaway with both those teams the Ravens more because of quarterback injury but even before that Lamar Jackson's healthy and they can't close out a game yeah and and right now the the bottom of the AFC I, I believe is far superior right now to the top half of the AFC the the top half being the the of course we've got Buffalo and, and Kansas City but Baltimore and Tennessee are I, again they're currently they're going to be hosting games but I think there's a great chance we do see a flip with Cincinnati despite their schedule I I, I don't see a path where Tennessee's going to get caught but they're one and done as it looks right now and that's great for Miami or possibly Baltimore or Cincinnati with their path to the number four seed, which would be where the Titans would end up based on their trajectory right now. First three-game losing streak for the Titans since 2018. And Vrabel enters, I think, his toughest stretch as head coach since he took, took over the, the organization from the football end of things with John Robinson hiring him that season. His first game was the NFL's longest game ever against the Miami Dolphins. And now he goes through a stretch where he's got to make sure that the team stays focused on the fact that they're still number one in the division and they can clinch. The magic number is two, and they need help from the Indianapolis Colts. If they're not going to win games, they need the Colts to lose, and they need one win in some way. Well, and the biggest story last week across the league was Amy Adams Strunk firing John Robinson last Tuesday. And then the Titans follow that up with the maybe the worst performance under Mike Vrabel. After starting great. The worst performance of this year at home against the Jacksonville team they had not lost to in Nashville since 2013. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. You can try to paint that any way that you want, but the bottom line is they did this. They pointed the fingers. They blamed someone. And they had some upheaval in their organization. And the very next game, the players did not respond well. The coaches did not respond well. I'm not saying that's the only reason that happened. They've got injuries. They had personnel issues before the injuries to where they're not very good. But that, it's also, we, you can't just write that off into some coincidence that all that happened in the same week. Well, they went from, Derrick Henry rushed for 90 six yards in the first quarter. That's the most yards he's rushed for in his career in the first quarter. And they went from that to fans leaving the the stadium with a minute to play in the third quarter. That's how quickly everything turned because of four turnovers um, and some play calls that were head scratchers and much more. Trevor Lawrence put on show. Trevor Lawrence looked like a franchise quarterback at Nissan Stadium yesterday. We can hit more on him a bit later in today's show. The Cowboys survive. What would have been the biggest upset of the season, 17-point underdogs were the Houston Texans, and they led throughout until, what, less than a minute to play where the Cowboys took the lead and then won the game. Tony Pollard continues to be uh, deserving of more touches, but what has allowed Dallas to be on this stretch run since Dak Prescott got back has been the run game. And when Ezekiel Elliott is scoring touchdowns and Tony Pollard is making the explosive plays, that's the way this team goes. I I mentioned earlier this season, 
I think they're better off not being in the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. The fact that they haven't cleared him medically, I think, is a good thing because I think that takes away from where they should be focused offensively, which is the run game. And yesterday, every bad team has that one game where they just click. And Houston brought it yesterday. And Dallas didn't show up until it mattered, and they got back in the game and won it. The two real shockers, I thought, yes, there were three, counting the Titans game we just talked about with the Jags winning the way they did. Um, The other one we're going to talk about a little bit later involving a team in the Pacific Northwest. This one, though, was the one that had me on the edge of my seat when I saw the Texans possibly winning in Dallas. This would have been the shock of maybe the last month of the season if they went on the road and beat Dallas in this game. And it took a Zeke Elliott touchdown with under a minute left to make sure that did not happen. But I was stunned the Texans came up with enough to give themselves a chance with under a minute left in this game. Chad, uh, another stunner is what the Lions have done in their turnaround from the start of the season until now. And Well, we're not stunned, Hutton. Now, Armando Salguero will be stunned when we bring this to his attention. He laughed off the Lions very early in the season. Yeah, but I mean, they. they whenever I was bringing that up to him, I, I thought they were playing really good football and they weren't closing it. They were getting very close. They, they, I mean, they, they had five losses pretty early right out of the shoot. And They're now, one and six at one point. Yeah, and now, I mean, I, I right at, lost five. I put them on our list. See ya. Headed, you know, headed. Now they're, they're not just like going to be a spoiler. They can be a playoff contender if they continue down this stretch run of playing the way they're playing because uh, they're, they're not just a, a tough out for a playoff team that needs a win to get in. The Lions will be one of those teams when it's all said and done, and uh, Dan Campbell has his team believing that they belong. And they did that yesterday against the Vikings, 34-23, the final score. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's a nice sign for a young, up-and-coming team. Jamison Williams has his first NFL touchdown catch that I don't think will have a, an easier one than that, but you know they invest in wide receiver, they get him, and they've waited, they've been patient with him, and it pays off. And Jared Goff... He's playing like a quarterback to invest in all of a sudden. He's, he's someone that beyond this year for them, and he's giving them a reason to bring him back. I, I, I'm seeing really, really good signs in Detroit based on some draft selections and good play protecting the football by Jerry Goff, and they're, they're also running the football well. They'll add some pieces on defense this offseason, but at least we're seeing signs of life by the Detroit Lions. Second straight year, a team that does not quit under Dan Campbell, 6-7 and now. Shocked to see that they were a favorite over the Vikings all week. And once again, uh, Vegas shows they know more than we do about these games because it's the Lions that win easily. This is my one loss. I saw the 10-2 and Vikings and thought, oh, why? They're going to go in there and find a way to win? Didn't happen. This is my one loss on the underdog uh, selections. I I took Minnesota on the road. Vegas knows. And that... that's on top of the fact that Justin Jefferson set a franchise record at wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Keep in mind who has played wide receiver for this organization. Randy Moss, Chris Carter, we can name some others. He set a franchise record in this game, and they scored a total of 23 points against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Jefferson, he had a total in this game, and I'll, I'll... and now I've lost my internet here with my... Just, oh, here we go. 11 receptions, career high, 223 receiving yards. 11 catches, 223. Franchise record, and he now has five career games with at least 175 yards. 
that's tied with Lance Allworth in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 1,500 receiving yards on the season for Jefferson. Incredible what he's doing early in his career. Incredible what Justin Herbert's doing statistically in his first three years and records he's breaking also. That was a big win. Huge. And he played great last night when he needed to in a win over Miami um, where you've had some crazy plays, big splash plays with Tyreek Hill. The ball finds him. It's a great call uh, last night on Sunday Night Football with that. Chad, the, the Chargers are in another must-win spot this week against another AF, AFC opponent, and the Titans will be previewing that game. That's a, one of the better matchups because the Chargers have to find a way to win, and they've been so inconsistent. Win one, lose one. This is one they've got to have, and it's back in Los Angeles. Coming up, we will uh, dive into uh, faking injuries, and it's not college football anymore. It's now in the NFL. It's a quiet story over the weekend, if you really think about it, and it's from an organization that's been... It's, they've been more than just slapped on the wrist by the NFL in years quiet past. Quiet story, but not a quiet fine that no. was levied. It was a large one. No, the uh, Cam Jordan fined for faking injuries, and we'll compare it to the college level with, I mean, did we see, we saw improvement. Did we see the gentleman's agreement actually this year in the SEC? That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. The, uh, the best line I saw was from Eric Edholm at NFL.com, where he said, the legend of Brock Purdy grows. And he added, one day, Tom Brady will tell his grandkids that he once played against Brock Purdy in San Francisco, which is uh, a really funny way to look at it, where Brady, you know, I mean, I think there were 13 or 14 players on the 49ers roster that were like under the age of four or something. I think that was the stat I saw uh, whenever Brady entered the league. Well, if he, I mean, in all honesty, though, if he does go on to a great career, then it's going to be a great trivia question one day. Uh-huh. Who did who did Brock Purdy defeat in his first start yeah. in the NFL? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it would be 45-year-old Tom Brady. Because years from now, we're going to look at that and say, those guys played in the same time. <laughs> like, it's the so, connecting the dots is going to be so hard to do because you're going to say, those guys actually played in, in the same year? It's weird to think about that when Brock Purdy's out there tossing beautiful spirals for touchdowns in 2042. So that ties it. Brady ties into the fine levied from the NFL for faking an injury in the game against the Saints. Uh, Brady was on the field. Appeared to stay, like the offense was staying on the field for a fourth down play, or was at least out there. Cam Jordan fined $500,000, along with uh, Saints head coach uh, Dennis Allen, who was fined $100,000. The Saints organization fined $350,000, and some of the assistant coaches were also levied fines of around fifty grand. Um, Jordan tweeted out the details. I don't think this was out there until Cam Jordan put this out there for everyone to see. And what's interesting about this story is the Saints claim that everything was on the up and up and that he 
received he had a foot sprain they didn't know that at the time they taped him up he re-entered the game and then the following day he underwent an MRI to diagnose exactly what what this was but the way the play sets up is he tackles Brady and gets right back up and he takes a few steps and he's walking back and he's kind of going towards the sideline and then he takes a knee and is like pointing at his foot his his leg and at the time, Brady, and at the, it was also 16-3. to Of course, the, the, the Bucks go on to win anyway. But Brady was still kind of out there on the field as if the Bucks were going to go for it on fourth down. They end up punting. And that was the contention of Cam Jordan was, hey, like, you're fining me 500 grand for faking an injury when the result of the play was they punted? That, that's the interesting part. And I'm kind of con- it's, uh, it's it's confusing very, it, here. I'm very confused. Because there was no real gain for him to do that. This is not a big problem in the NFL. I understand I if, I, so. if I watch games and thought, man, there's a lot of guys out here faking injuries. It's an enormous problem in college. Yes. Ask anyone who runs a fast-paced offense when they get going and guys yeah. take a dive. I saw Lane Kiffin, of all people, retweet this story with the eyeball emoji You know, because he was mad this year that someone was doing it against him. Well... Lane Kiffin was the chief violator a year ago in Knoxville also, and he utilized the rules or the lack thereof to his advantage in that game by faking a ton of injuries, especially in the second half of that game. That led Josh Heupel to have to answer questions all offseason about teams faking injuries against him, and it was chiefly Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss that did that against Heupel. But Hutton, you brought up a good point in the last break. That went away for the most part this year. I think it did. Well, it wasn't well, nearly as big of a problem across college football. It happened. It, it was more... I saw it at times where the boos would start by the home crowd because yeah. someone would take a dive but not as, nearly, as a team got going, I but don't not recall, as much. I don't recall Kiffin doing it like I, as, nearly as frequently as what we've seen. You know, it, Not even Tennessee. Let's go back to... Oh, I'll, I, in the stadium in Tuscaloosa as Ole Miss played Alabama, uh, and Bama fans will boo anything, but... I, any time that they were tra- Bryce Young's trying to hurry up the offense last year, this is 2021, um, you could see an injury, and there were boos galore from uh, the Crimson Tide faithful thinking that they were doing this, and they were. I mean, they, the guys would re-enter the game. This, we see it, we still see it in the SEC, but Kiffin's reaction makes me think that there's some type of gentleman's agreement, and gentleman's, you know, stretch. It's a stretch. Uh, you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. And I, I said last year, I don't know how you police this. Um, if you're, they're they're trying to get schools to uh, somehow shy away from storming the field, and the fines a hundred thousand dollars. Like, I don't know how you fine. You're going to find the player five hundred grand because that's what they did here in in the NFL. You're going to find the university. You're going to find the team. Like, I don't know how you end up levying the same fine unless you just say. And and again, my my theory is. There was some type of come to Jesus meeting here. Yeah, Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey got probably got together. the SEC in the room and said, yeah. We got to stop this. And said, Hey, cool it. You're making a mockery cool of the sport. And for the most part, I don't recall seeing it nearly as often. And that's with watching the number one offense in America speed down the 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 field i don't see i didn't see the sec teams taking dives nearly as much yeah the only way to to penalize it in college is just to make a blanket rule that if the game is stopped for your injury you have to sit out two or three plays or whatever there's no way you can i don't know how you judge that in real time well again it that's not 
This is not saying everyone's faking, but if you're actually injured and you had to stop the game and you couldn't get to the sideline, then you got to sit out three plays. But if you're that's actually, just for everyone. But if you're actually injured, I mean, I, I don't. Well, if you're actually I, injured, you're not going to be in for three plays anyways. You're not going to go out and then come right back in one play later. If you had to stop the game for a cramp for anything else, it's a three play penalty. You have to go to the sideline for three plays. There's an official there that you know marks you, and you don't go back in. Point being, you can't prove who's faking and who's not. So it just has to be a rule about an injured player. Yeah. So that would stop you maybe from some of your guys faking an injury if you know they got to go out for three plays. You can't do it all the time. But yeah. it was less of a problem in college yeah, football. I, did, I, didn't, have I a, didn't even know it was a problem it wasn't really in the NFL a topic this year. until this fine. That's what's so strange about this story. Weird move by the NFL. And a quiet story, which is also strange. Headlines next on Outkick 360.